0: Welcome to The Word at First Pres, the official podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. During the fall, we're going to be working through a series called God in Science. Each week, we're going to be exploring the various ways that God has revealed to us through the study and field of science. This sermon contains multiple video clips, which are essential to understanding the content of the sermon. Although you will hear the audio of these video clips, we have included the links to those clips in the description of the sermon. I hope you'll go back and watch them because it'll make what I'm saying that much clearer.
1: Our first scripture reading comes to us from Proverbs chapter 8 verses 22 through 36. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made the earth and fields, or the world's first bit of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the water might not transgress his command, when he marked out the fountains of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker. And I was daily his delight. Rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in the inhabiting world, and delighting in the human race. And now, my children, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. The word of the Lord.
0: Our second scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It goes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. So, we're going to begin this morning by watching a video. This video actually harkens back a little bit to when I was first being interviewed for my job here. There were two things on my resume that uh, were pointed out to me because they weren't entirely sure about them. The first thing was that I really like to eat sushi. They were a little bit wary of that. And the second thing was they asked me, they said, what is trance techno? They didn't know what that was. That's one of my favorite forms of music. And Tom Carroll, who was the chair of the PNC said, well, as long as you don't play it in church, no big deal, right? Well, I'm gonna break that promise today. we're going to watch a video. And this video, what it is, is it's these experiments. This guy is going to be playing music. But over top of these, uh, the music are these experiments that he's doing. And it's the way that sound effects matter. You're going to see. Um, and what you have to understand about this is that none of this is computer generated. All of it is actual experiments that are being done right there on the spot. Just wanna, You'll understand it when you see it. But let's watch and see how it goes.
1: The film you are about to see has no characters. If you spare a little of your imagination, it is a film to describe to you the
2: effect of cymatic frequencies on matter.
0: we're doing our series God in Science and I would have four sermons left in my series but I got ill last week so I couldn't be here Judy had to fill in very last minute she did a great job for me but going into Advent we are going to be doing a little bit of a transition in our God and Science series in the sense that we're going to be focusing a little bit on how God comes into the world because in Advent Of course, our focus as Christians is waiting for Jesus to be in our midst. So we're going to start with that, and then we're going to get to the science through that avenue. So today, I want to begin with those famous words from John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's kind of a fascinating verse, don't you think, when you look at it? Because it says in the beginning, what's that hearkening back to, do you all know? Genesis, Genesis, that's right made that entire year on Genesis worth it, right? Like, when we did it. Now you all can see the connection. It's all clear right there. So, in the beginning, is saying that when the universe began, there was this thing there called the Word. Now, what is the Word a reference to? Many of you probably know that it's referring to the person of Jesus. All right, so if we were to insert Jesus' name, it would say something like this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God And Jesus was God. Essentially, the author of the Gospel of John is saying that before the universe was even created, Jesus was there with God. Which, I think we can all agree, hard concept to wrap your mind around, right? This idea that Jesus has always been and always will be. But I'll tell you something. I have always kind of had a little bit of an issue with this verse. And I've wondered, why is it that he didn't just say, in the beginning it was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Like, Why does he use this term logos or word in its place? And this question vexed me so much that I actually went and I did all this research and I came to a conclusion that totally transformed the way I think about Jesus and in particular the way I think about God operating in the world. So when Jesus was walking in our midst about 2,000 years ago, He went around preaching what was known as the gospel. Now, gospel translated into English. What does it mean? You all know the, the translation, right? Good news. If you didn't know, you can look on the screen. It's right there. Okay, so it means good news or good tidings. And the reason why the gospel was good news is because Jesus went to the downtrodden and he said to them, hey, guess what? God loves you. God has not forgotten you. And God is going to save you. Now, on top of that, he also told these people, he says, hey, by the way, just so you know, Jesus, it, or God, has a very particular way that God wants you to live. And so Jesus was telling them how God expected them to live. This teaching that Jesus gave, it became known as the way among Jesus' earliest followers. And it's probably best summarized with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now, that's our next series, actually. After we finish God and Science, we're going to be doing our next series on the Sermon on the mount now for christians when we talk about the gospel the good news what we mean is that we believe that that is god's message to humans do we believe that all right most of us do okay so it's god's message to humans and that through that message we are learning about how god loves us and how we're supposed to live those two things together Now, another way of framing this message from God to humans is to say that God is speaking through the mouth of Jesus. So when Jesus opens his mouth, he's speaking God's words to us. Now, in the Gospels, this phenomena is referred to as wisdom. So when God, when Jesus speaks, God's wisdom is coming out of his mouth. So you need to understand there's an equivalency going on here, which is that when we say gospel, it can also mean God's wisdom. Are you following me on this so far? It's important that you follow me with this. Okay, now here's where things get a little bit complicated. When John says at the beginning of his gospel, "In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, we assume that he's talking about Jesus. But what I would like to suggest to you this morning is that he's not talking about Jesus so much as he's talking about God's wisdom that's coming out of Jesus' mouth. So the word in John's Gospel that was there at the beginning of creation is not Jesus, but God's wisdom. Now, why do I believe that to be the case? Well, I believe it to be the case because if you do a little bit of research into that first verse in John's Gospel, he lifted it from the book of Proverbs, actually what we read this morning. Now, there's this wisdom section in Proverbs. And in this wisdom section, you can see that there's a lot of similarities between these two things. So let's read from this wisdom section so that you can see how these two things overlap. So it says, the Lord created me. Now, me, just so you understand, is wisdom right here. Created me, wisdom, at the beginning of his works, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, then I was beside him, like a master worker. And I was daily his delight. And now, my children, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways." Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Does that not sound a whole lot like what John is talking about at the beginning of his gospel? Now, the author of Proverbs, when he was creating this particular part, his intention was to say that before God created anything, before God created the world, the universe, any of it, God created wisdom at the first. And so when we're talking about the word in John's gospel, we're talking about God's wisdom, and God's wisdom is embodied in the person of Jesus. And this is why when Jesus speaks, we believe that God's word is coming out of his mouth or God's wisdom is coming out of his mouth. Do you follow me? You with me? So far? So good? All right, good. Because then we can ask the question, like, who cares? Like, really? (laughs) We just went through all this stuff. Like, who really cares? At the end of the day, does it really matter whether the word is Jesus or God's wisdom? I know you all weren't coming in here with that burning question this morning. You were just thinking about it all week. Like, which one is it? I don't know. No, you weren't thinking about it at all. And it does not matter to you. And it didn't matter to me for a long time either. And if you'd asked me a long time ago, I would have said, eh, it doesn't, it, we're splitting hairs over something that that's, doesn't matter. But In the last few years, I've actually changed my mind on that. And the reason why is because I think that if you see it as Jesus versus God's wisdom, you're losing something huge there in what John is trying to tell us about how God operates in the world. So there's this beautiful psalm that says that by the word of the Lord, God created the heavens and the hosts by the breath of his mouth. Now, what this psalmist is trying to say, is that God didn't just create, right? God spoke the universe into existence. God, through the act of speaking, created everything that we see around us. Now, why is it that both the Old and the New Testament, why are they so insistent, because we see it in Proverbs, we see it in this psalm, we see it in John's gospel, why are they so insistent that God spoke the universe into existence. Well, it could be that it's just an anthropomorphism. And anthropomorphism is a big fancy word for us applying human characteristics to something that is not human. Like a dog, how many of you have dogs? Well, if you have a dog, right, a lot of times you impose certain human characteristics, like on the dog. Like, you're so smart, you know, they intentionally do things. And dog spelled backward is God. And we tend to do that a lot (laughs) with God, where we impose certain human characteristics on God. So, what we may be thinking is that, you know, we don't have any idea how all this got here. I mean, truthfully, we can't even conceive of it. So maybe the authors were sitting there saying, you know, maybe just an easy way to say it is that God spoke and that's how everything came about. It's just an easy way for us to imagine it. However, if you study the science behind sound, particularly how the vibrations of sound affect matter, you come to realize that actually... The biblical authors were not as far off as you might assume. So there's a theory in physics, it's called string theory, that states that if you get down to the very basic level of everything, if you can just, it doesn't matter what you're looking at, if you can get down to the smallest level of existence, everything are these vibrating strings of energy. Now, rather than me explain this to you up here, I want to show you what it is. I got this PBS series, a Nova series, on string theory. I want you to watch it, because this is going to make clear what these strings are all about.
2: Inside every grain of sand are billions of tiny atoms. Every atom is made of smaller bits of matter, electrons orbiting a nucleus made of protons and neutrons, which are made of even smaller bits of matter called quarks. But string theory says this is not the end of the line. It makes the astounding claim that the particles making up everything in the universe are made of even smaller ingredients, tiny, wiggling strands of energy that look like strings. Each of these strings is unimaginably small, in fact, If an atom were enlarged to the size of the solar system, a string would only be as large as a tree. And here's the key idea. Just as different vibrational patterns or frequencies of a single cello string create what we hear as different musical notes, the different ways that strings vibrate give particles their unique properties, such as mass and charge. For example, the only difference between the particles making up you and me and the particles that transmit gravity and the other forces is the way these tiny strings vibrate.
0: Alright, so that's a visualization of what this is about. So, essentially, the universe is a symphony of these tiny little vibrating strings. So, when God says that, or when the Bible says that God spoke and God's word created the universe, I believe that God's word is found in those vibrating strings of energy. That's where we're going to hear God's voice. And so, I want to ask a question What exactly does God's voice sound like? And you might be sitting and thinking, well, we don't know, and that's a silly question to ask, because we can never know. But I think that if you drill down into that question a little bit, that you can actually get a little closer to what John is talking about at the beginning of his gospel. So, we watched at the very beginning of the, of this sermon that video called Cymatics. Now, Cymatics comes from the Greek word kuma, which literally means wave, and so the idea behind cymatics is that it's the study of how the vibration of sound can affect matter. So when we started watching this, there were all these different experiments. We didn't watch the whole film in here, but one of the most important experiments they did was the sand on the plate. This is what it looked like right here as we were watching it. So as he played every note, it caused the plate to vibrate in a different way, shifting the sand around into different formations. And as he moved from note to note, it caused the sand to change its pattern. So what this is, is it's a visual representation to us that sound not only has an impact on matter, which we all already knew, but it can literally shape matter. Now the man who studied and founded the field of cymatics, his name was Hans Jenny, And he literally did hundreds of experiments with the sand on the plate, testing how the frequencies formed these various patterns. And one day he invited this group of people into his lab and he had them stand around the plate and he wanted them to vocalize the ancient Sanskrit sound of om. This is what it sounds like. Now you all probably heard that before, right? The Hindus and the Buddhists they believe that this sound is the sound of creation. That's what Om is. It's the sound of creation. And when those guys, when they came around the plate and they started to vocalize Om, this is what it looked like. It looked like a circle with a dot in the middle. Now, Hans Jenny, he found that to be very interesting because one of the ways that the ancients actually Talked about the the sound of om, the way they, they wrote it down was a circle with a dot in the middle of it. And that circle with the dot, the ancients believed that that stood for consciousness, life, and wisdom. All three of those things combined. Indeed, the circle with the dot in the middle, it represents God. Now, are you starting to see maybe a little bit how all these things are coming together? God speaks om, and life comes forth. At every level of existence, God's word permeates our lives. So at the smallest level of existence, God's word comes forth in these tiny little strings of energy, circles, if you will, that are vibrating. And those circles, they shape, literally, the foundation of the world in which we live. You come to our level, where we are right now, God's word, om, what we can actually hear right here. It literally shapes the world, and it shapes that sand into a circle with a dot in the middle. And then you get to the highest level of existence, and you can see that God's word, it shapes a circle, dot in the middle, God's word, it permeates every level from the smallest level to our level to the highest level. God's word is speaking and it's shaping our world all the time. God speaks and life exists. God's word is speaking all the time. It's in everything that we do and God is still speaking. And so when we read at the beginning of John... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't think he's talking about Jesus. I think he's trying to tell us that it is through the act of speaking that creation occurs in our world. It is through the act of speaking that life comes forth. It is through the act of speaking that makes everything possible of what we do in this world. Let me give you an example in case you're confused about what I'm talking about. So, take Jesus for a minute. When Jesus was out walking around, did he just stand there? And everybody just flocked around him, and his movement just started, and everybody's like, we're Christian now, now that Jesus is here. Is that what happened? No. He spoke the gospel into the world, and that is what brought it to life. He had to speak it into existence. Without the spoken word, there would be no gospel. The same is true in our lives. In order for something to become a reality, you have to speak it into existence. And I mean that very literally. Literally. I have seen this time and time again when you speak something into the world, it becomes a possibility. Let me give you an example in my own life. So when I was back in Pennsylvania, I was at my church at Pine Street. We were doing our mission like we did here, where we were trying to figure out what are we going to do for our mission for the church. And so I get together with the elders, we'd figured it all out, I give them this presentation and I say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And a good friend of mine, he raises his hand, he's on the elder board and he says, look, Alex... You've done a great job with this, I appreciate it all, but you're moving way too fast. We need more information, we need to slow down, because we need some more information before we can move forward. Now, I reluctantly agreed, he was 100% correct, by the way, I reluctantly agreed with him, and after the meeting, I came up to him, I said, hey, I want you to know you're right, but here's the deal. The fact is, I may not be here long enough to see this mission through, to see it come to life, and that's why I'm pushing so hard for it to go quickly. Now, that may not sound like that big of a deal to you, right? Like talking about getting a new job. But what you have to realize is that at that time, I had never even had the thought or the idea really that I was going to get a new job. It was the first time I'd ever said anything about it. I didn't have a resume. I hadn't looked at other jobs. I didn't even know if they existed out there that I could get one. My wife didn't know about it. Like there's a lot of things that would need to happen before I could go get a new job, right? But I said it out loud. And something about it felt true. Something about it felt real. I said it. I put it into the world. And then four months later, I get this phone call from Tom Carroll. And he says, hey, I want you to come look at our church. I didn't, I didn't call Tom up. Tom called me. I believe that you put something into the world through your words. It becomes a possibility. Like God, you speak life into existence. And so my question for you this morning is, what is it that is on your heart that you need to speak into the world? Maybe you have an idea, something that you've been rattling around in your mind, something you've been thinking about for a long time, and you need to put it out there, but you've been afraid because you're afraid of how people might judge you. I say, speak it into the world. Or maybe you're in the middle of a relationship with somebody, and you're afraid to say what you want to say to them, but it's on your heart and you need to say to them, you know, we need to be together. Or maybe you need to say, we need to be apart. Whatever it is that you need to say, speak it into the world. Maybe you don't know what the next steps are in your life. You don't know where you're going to go, how you're going to get there. I say speak it into the world. Say it into the universe. You would be amazed the way God will answer you back. It may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen in four months, it may not happen in a year, but God will answer you. Or maybe your concern is for other people, for your friends, for your family, for the decisions that they're making, the choices that they're making. And you're scared to say something because you don't want to meddle. But I really say, speak it into the world. Say your hopes, your dreams, your concerns for them because by saying it, it becomes a possibility speaking into the world it brings forth life and it can change everything about where you are right now i've seen it happen time and time again and so as we anticipate jesus's presence among us does it feel like we're getting close right snow on the ground everything as we anticipate god speaking the gospel of jesus christ into our lives I hope that you will remember that it was God's word, God's wisdom, that was there at the creation of the universe. That it was Jesus who spoke God's word to us when he was here 2,000 years ago. And you know what? God's word is still active today, right here in the midst of our lives, on every level of existence. God is active here. God is still speaking. And if you are willing to listen, and you are willing to use the gift that God has given you to speak into the world and to say what is on your heart... Amazing things can happen, and you can be transformed. And so my prayer for you is that you might have the courage to say what's on your heart. Speak it into the world, because you never know how God might bring those words to life. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Prez family of faith.